Welcome to the Enterprise Excellence Podcast, where our purpose is to help create a better future. Learn from our world's experts how to improve your organization sustainably. Learn how to achieve and sustain an excellence journey for yourself, others, and the planet. And I'm your host, Brad Jevons, coming to you from Brisbane, Australia. We are proudly brought to you in association with SA Partners, a world-leading business transformation consultancy. SA Partners are a truly purposeful company focused on helping organisations achieve sustainable improvement for themselves, others and the planet. Hi all, today's episode is with a colleague I've known for many years, an expert in enterprise excellence, Mr Richard Young. Richard is talking in his area of expertise, how to sustain and achieve an excellence journey for the longer term. As part of this episode, Richard is kindly giving away 10 copies of his new book, Deep Excellence. Get in quick as the 10 books go to the first 10 requests. Go to enterpriseexcellencepodcast.com backslash contact us to register. Welcome to episode 148 of the Enterprise Excellence Podcast. It is such a pleasure to have Mr. Richard Young on the show with us today. Richard is the Managing Director of SA Partners Asia Pacific. He is an expert on enterprise excellence, having worked with many of our leading organizations in this field, such as Mars, BHP, and many more. Today, we're going to explore the important topic of how to practically navigate improving your culture sustainably towards enterprise excellence. Let's get into the episode. Richard, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, Brad. It's great to be here. Thanks for the intro. It uh, makes me sound like a a leading authority, which uh, I would say the only thing I'm a leading authority on is learning about how to be a leading authority, and it's an eternal journey. I think that's why you are one, mate. That's why you are one. So, mate, Richard, on that, you, you know, you, you just mentioned that learning on this topic of enterprise excellence is ongoing. But what initially triggered you and got into got you into this space of enterprise excellence and looking at sustainable journeys of improvement? I think fundamentally, um, I first started to think about it um, when I was a shift manager back in the day, and I was constantly amazed at the number of things that were a frustration for others but were also a frustration for myself and yet seemingly it was it was just impossible to navigate getting things done either there was too long a list there was not enough energy not enough resource couldn't um couldn't influence couldn't get the right stakeholders around the table there's always an endless list of things that weren't working and i didn't really have a mechanism to help me navigate that apart from trying to use brain power and that wasn't working um So I started to reach out and explore and there were different workshops popping up. And I think the light switched on uh, really when we we engaged in an internal program of uh, of Lean and Six Sigma training. Um, And I met someone at actually SA Partners back in the day called Gary Griffiths. Um, And he's just a whirlwind of energy. And I think it was that enthusiasm for the topic that really drew me in because he was basically saying, hey, listen, I've got the answer to the itch you can't scratch. And here it is, and it's called Lean Six Sigma, and this is these are some of the principles. So I think, in summary, it was I recognised something was missing, and I needed to do something structured to get things moving. And uh, and there was a framework that was readily available that I could use to do that. So I was hooked. Um, so I think, in short, it was uh, it was someone at SA Partners called Gary Griffiths who got me hooked way way back, and I've not looked back since. It's amazing when you look at the people who've been influenced from there. And as you know, I've been influenced too by people from SA Partners back in the day with Peter Hines and Chris Butterworth. So yeah, similar absolutely. story. Yeah. Hey, mate, what? we know that a lot of the focus here we're talking about today is culture. 
and it's often not considered in a big way. You know, it's like, let's apply the lean tools, let's apply the Six Sigma tools. But why is culture such an important part of achieving enterprise excellence, you know, getting this culture of continuous improvement innovation? Look, the the fundamental difference businesses need to make is to recognize the importance of how we go about navigating change with people. And when we're looking at needing to respond to external market pressures or needing to do things differently, rather than just looking at the result we're aiming for and measuring the heck out of that and then gap closing or looking for different opportunities to try to reach this independently of people, I think it's when when leaders recognize that the only way they're going to make it is through people, that's suddenly when there's a step change. And this linkage of what we're trying to do and where we're trying to go, the purpose or the ambition um, with people have got to come with us to do this rather than I'm just going to use my brain power or I'm going to use my managerial clout to get there. I think when leaders recognize that, that's when they suddenly see significant shifts. And bringing that message and that story to bear with businesses where they're looking at trying to navigate change is usually the point at which we we come in and we, we start to talk about that, but we start to really engage in the why that's important. And it's it's often around spending enough time either coaching or having conversations with people that we can start to embed the fundamental thoughts as to why things are important, not why does the company think it's important, but why do the leaders think it's important and how can we compel and engage people and motivate in a way that allows people to decide that's kind of a thing I'm interested in. That's that's something that floats my boat too. Um, and slowly but surely as you win over each individual and they start to recognize that this is something that's significant and it's for them too, that's when you start to make this shift and that's when you can accomplish anything. So when it comes to cultural change and it comes to instigating any change, bringing people with you on that journey means that you can sustain it in the long term. Otherwise, many people have documented you end up with the sugar high and you may hit your short term target, but it's not sustainable and it won't last forever. So bringing that message forwards and making sure your message is consistent with the principles of your business is absolutely everything. Um, it's it's part of this resonance that you're trying to build with people and individuals with their business. Not only do we do great stuff, but it's because of the way we go about doing it that makes it worthwhile because yeah. you can achieve results in many ways, but doing it the right way just happens to be the most important thing. Yeah, Rich, I was chatting to a, a senior leader earlier today and you know the conversation was, you know, we got to shift from purely doing big projects to people and impacting people to engaging people yeah. and getting everyone engaged and improving every day. And it's it's a real shift. And it seems like in recent times, a lot of focus has been on just executing big money spend yeah. projects in a company and not engaging people. But it, Well, the stakes you know, are high, Brad. Yeah, the stakes are high. Execs have got to show a result. And it's that um, inconsistency or it's that sort of paradox or it's that balancing act between how much time have we got to show the results before I get fired or we go out of business and how long can I spend in that in that place where we're engaging people so that we're sure to not only do that but continue to do that mm. it's, get every it's, every mind engaged in it everyone involved in improving every day absolutely absolutely the old, the old 80,000 problem solvers <laughs> <laughs> and avoiding the words an army of 
because yeah. this isn't this isn't a war that's a thing that's won and gone. This is about winning hearts and minds. And funnily enough, not everybody's won over by that. It's got to be about a compelling reason that resonates with people so that they get on board with it too. Because it's just because I think it's important doesn't mean somebody else is going to think it's important. Um, just because I've got a compelling story doesn't mean it's the compelling story somebody else is going to adopt and and say the same. You know, they have to have their own thing. Um, yeah. And I was reminded of uh, of, a, of a business that was a, a pharmaceutical, I'll not name them, but um, they were trying to drive a very particular message. And it was about reaching out to a global audience and having that simple to do with affordable and high quality medicines. Um, and anybody from that business probably knows what I'm talking about now. Um, but I was talking to someone about the message and the purpose. Um, and there were many people who just got lost with that, except one person who told a story about when he went to see his parents. Uh, his his parents then were sort of in their 80s, early 90s, and he was stood by their mantelpiece and um, he glanced down at their pillbox, this little tray with a complication of pills in there. Um, and he noticed that 80 percent of the pills in that box were theirs. Mm. And suddenly the penny dropped that actually what he was doing at work was pretty much keeping his parents alive yeah. with all these pills they manufactured. So suddenly there's a totally different perspective on daily work and the daily things he did. Um, and he was he was driven in that world of continuous improvement from that spot that point onwards. Yeah, it sounds like a really powerful element is once you understand who you serve and then what the purpose is, is yeah. of actually what you do. So, Richard, on this approach of looking to create a culture of continuous improvement, a culture towards enterprise excellence, how do you practically go about it? Like, what are some key steps that leaders and improvement people can consider to actually start to move towards a culture of continuous improvement and innovation? I think from the get-go, uh, Brad, you've, you've got to have a clear idea as to where are you trying to get to? Like very clearly, what is it for our business that's unique? It's not the same as anybody else's. Where are we trying to get to? And what will that look like? So really clearly defining where you're trying to get to, what will it look like? What would success be? You know, how would it feel? How would it smell? The whole, the whole deal. Once you know that, the simplistic next step is, well, where are we right now? And most businesses don't stop for the where are we right now? Not really, not to dig into that into de in detail. And so one of the things that businesses should do is look at ha having some form of assessment or understanding as to where are they right now in an enterprise excellence sense, not just in the narrow corridor of financials. But if we open that out more broadly and we look at people and we look at the ways in which work gets done and we look at improvement mechanisms and we look at the systems that exist, within there. We need to understand where are we in terms of our maturity in that sense. That then gives you a great start point to see, well, what's the journey we're embarking on? And then it's a matter of how much time, what's the money, what's the resource, and what are the mechanisms that are going to allow us to do it? And one of them will be communication. How do we engage and communicate this? How do we bring people with us? And then what are those stage gates and milestones that might see us along the way? So the most important and the fundamental thing is where are we trying to get to and what will that be like for us? So what does success mean? The reason that we we spend need to spend time on that is because you're trying to build what's the compelling reason. What's that, um, you know, the, the BHAG? What's the the thing that, that's going to lock, lock people in? Once you've got that, you can tell the story around that and engage people in that future place because it, it's not how it is now. 
Um, and some of the aspects may be what we've got now, but quite a lot are, are different now where you can navigate differently. So to help tell that story and that narrative, that becomes very important. Once you've then got your, here's where we are now, you then simply need to engage the necessary resources and uh, and skills and capabilities that you're going to need to to get you along that journey. That's cool, Richard. So it sounds like really it's about defining that meaningful vision or that reason why Absolutely. we're going and what it looks like. The piece I'd like to explore more, mate, is where it comes to actually then assessing where we're currently at. Yeah. And then from that, starting to think of, well, what should we do? What does it look like, mate, assessing where we're currently at? What's involved with that? How do you go about that? So assessing where we're at, let's let's say you don't have your own inbuilt internal assessment um, system or methodology, then bringing in someone who's got that skill and capability is a critical first step. And there are many assessment methodologies you can lean on, um, and quite a few of which we've certainly engaged with in the past. But the one that we use is Enterprise Excellence as an assessment methodology uh, in conjunction with uh, Shingo assessments and assessment methodology. And what we aim to do then is make that uh, relevant for the business that we're, we're dealing with go through a staged um, exercise of engagement with senior leaders and um, and the senior squad of people who are going to be primarily accountable for, for delivering the change program, and then start to talk through what are the implications of that. And so we build up meaningful dialogue within the assessments that talk the language of, uh, of the business that you're working in, and then walk through an assessment with those people. So sometimes it's with a senior leadership group first, uh, sometimes it's with the the project leads and project champions, and you walk through what this assessment is built of, and then start to talk about what what are the what are the significant things we're looking for, and what are the things that would define where you are on that journey. So it's meaningful. Um, once you've got that established, it is down to well, where is the energy um, first of all, and where is the compelling need. Because there'll be a number of things that are that are highlighted, so you've got to go with the energy and you've got to go with what's going to give us something to get the momentum, get the ball rolling. Um, and once you've got that, you can then start to feed in the other things that are absolutely necessary, but just require a bit more energy and belief. Once you've got that ball rolling, you then need to stage well. Where are we actually going to reassess? Where, how have we done? Where have we got to? Is that six monthly? Is that yearly? And at some point, rather than just relying on an external mechanism or assessment framework, you want to start to build your own assessment framework and methodology. And it's very simple to do. And you will be able to convert that into your language. And then you can roll that out across either your, your sites, your uh, office frameworks, your business structure and architecture globally to then start to look at, well, how's everyone else doing? The exciting thing for me about that is not only do you get the assessment of different places, you can start to compare, but you can start to learn from who's doing this the best. What are the best practices? And start to do things like standardize. And as soon as you start to play with standardization, that's when you're really scoring goals. Yeah, that's awesome. So it really sounds like, Richard, the initial part would be to engage, you know, with senior leaders, engage with um, an expert in this field like yeah. SA Partners or yeah. others to look at an enterprise excellence model, which yep, the model is one of those. And uh, where you're just another one, but yeah. Yeah. But I love the point you said of then measuring and tracking your journey on going, because it sounds like you're creating that sort of plan, do, check, act type cycle to keep the yep. journey moving forward. 
And especially when you mentioned creating your own way, like I'm, I'm just thinking of the Denaher business systems or BHP mm. operating system or Toyota yep. production system or, yep. you know, the Amazon way, you know, all these great companies that have done this and achieved results. Why do you think that really helps when you've got senior leadership owning it as a way to measure and track it and they've created their own way? If I take the senior leadership owning it and tracking it, uh, and therefore being at stake for its success. It, it's it's everything in any journey because it takes a while. So if you're in it for the six month or the year, then uh, you can achieve that many different ways. If you're in it for the long term, it has to be owned by senior leadership because often having a program survive leadership change is one of the most um, threatening and difficult things you can ever have within a business. Um, let's just take it as read that the senior leaders then own it um, and they track it on their senior leadership scorecard. Um, then the other aspect of that, uh, the ownership is all about it's ours. Um, it's not the um, it's not the Toyota uh, assessment methodology. It's not the BHP. It's not the Pfizer or the Coca-Cola or the it's actually it's ours, whatever the, your business name is. This belongs to us and this is what success means to us over time at these different levels. So the language and the ownership of language is critical in that it has to resonate with the people who work for the organization. So using too many technical terms, using different language uh, thoughts, thought bubbles and, and thinking doesn't work long-term. You've got to get the language of the organization embedded within there so people accept that as this is something that's ours and we are holding ourselves to account to achieve. And so that's why, why it becomes really important. Anything, even country to country with different businesses, it still has to be in a cultural language that fits that business in that specific place. So even with bigger, big organizations, uh, and I'll not name them, but I've seen a copy-paste attempt within an organization with some organizational language fail because it doesn't talk the cultural language of the of the place that's going to be going to be used even within a business within the same country i've seen the same thing within different departments they need different language so this idea of language and ownership then for that particular aspect of your question it, it's everything people will reject because it's a threat if it's yours it feels like yours well you're more likely to accept it yeah, it's amazing. That whole relatedness, you know, being relatable, yep. being ours, not someone else's. How often yes. have you heard in the past, oh, that's this other company, that's not us. Yeah. It's so common. <laughs> it's classic resistance. It's beautiful. In fact, yeah. it is awesome when that happens because you know exactly where their head's at. I think too, Richard, another thing you mentioned was the simplicity of it. I guess a yeah. lot of people would be used to excellence models where it's just packed full of lean tools. And I guess you and I know from experience, it's about more the systems and the critical factors of an organization that's culture that's truly going to get the results and you know i know we've both seen models where there's very there's not a heap of lean tools in there no i think i think one of the things that over time i've come to realize apart from what i thought i knew two years ago i really i really didn't um but uh, this constant learning journey is 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 the key but um when it comes to making change work long term and we talk to you have to work on the culture you 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 have to shift the dialogue you have to help engage people and get the understanding in there we kind of miss how to operationalize that how to how do you actually make that work like really the how to and the truth is it has to sit within all the work 
and all the activity that people execute on a daily basis at whatever level you are in the business. So when we're talking about a cultural shift and we're talking about the sorts of things we want to see differently, we have to really work on, well, what would that look like? Um, can I measure it? And how would I how would I describe that to someone? You know, is it something that I can codify in a way that is simple in language, but that we can actually measure and see if it's going on? We don't necessarily have to ask questions. You can just see it. Um, and to that point, we need to build that into the way we do work because we can get very clever with describing behaviors. But if it's not enabled by the way in which people do work, it's not going to happen. You could literally bleed and plead for people to do things. But if we don't make their way of working um, an enabler to bring that behavior about to help it manifest, you've got absolutely no chance, even with the best, most willing and amazing people you can think of. It's just not possible. So we have to double down on the ways of working and make sure that we literally embed the behavioral requirements and align that to how we're asking people to go about doing things. You know, if you want ideas and you want people to uh, stay connected to that, you have to have a great system to allow them to stay connected and make it really easy to throw up their ideas, to make it work. Otherwise, it's if it's a little bit hard, it takes just too much effort and everything goes into the void and I never know what's going on. You can't hold people to this I want you to be proactive in driving initiatives and innovation. It's crazy. How can they? Yeah. Without the system, it won't happen. No. And the old saying that comes to my mind too, which is that what gets measured gets done. You know, if you can't yeah. measure your excellence journey, <laughs> it ends up just being values plus on the wall or a strategic plan that collects dust, doesn't it? And everybody lets themselves off the hook, Brad, right? It's, it's really hard. We've got lots of operational difficulties and pressures. So you know what? We're kind of doing it. Let's move on. Right, yeah. let's move on and get back to the crisis. Yeah. That's when you know you've really lost it. Well, I love I love how simple the approach is that we're talking about today, but I'm, I'm understanding it's, it's not easy because you're talking habit change and yep. habit change in some senior leaders too when it comes down to it. Yeah, Richard, what would be your enterprise excellence two-minute tip in this area of expertise? You know, if you had senior leader in an elevator going up to a very high floor for two minutes and you're going to give them a tip on, you know, how to create a culture of continuous improvement and innovation, I think the biggest tip is you've got to become the change that you want to see, which sounds a little bit cliched, but I'd say it was a truism. If you want something different to happen, you've got to embody that as a senior leader. And you have to advocate for the fact that that's what you want to see happening, both championing it, you're talking to it, taking every opportunity to reinforce the message of what's most important and what we want to see happening. The simplistic message is if you want to see behavioral and cultural change, you have to embody that yourself. You literally have to turn up every day and do differently because the thing that happens with senior leaders is you are permanently on stage. Everybody sees you all of the time. And the secret whispered conversation you thought you had in private is company-wide knowledge within a matter of hours. It's just the way it is. And it's because everybody is watching all the time. And as humans, we're, we're experts at, at looking for and, and deciding what someone's body language is telling us, right? Whether it's right or wrong, does it matter? If you see someone pointing and with a red face and in a heated discussion, and yet you're driving for a culture of 
you know, fair challenge. And uh, I'm looking for people to bring new perspectives and so on. It's kind of incongruent. So we have to be 100% on this is how we want things to be and embody it and drive it ourselves. And to do that, you have to really have a think about how am I going to communicate that? What are the few words I'm going to use? What's the example I'm going to use? How am I going to compel in that way? Um, and I think that probably takes up the two-minute journey to the top. Yeah, nice. So I can <laughs> see too, Richard, like you're saying, then the senior leadership, owning, measuring, tracking, celebrating, supporting yep. is all part of that behavior, isn't it? It's For sure. leading by example and leading the way. I can... And the reinforcement of messaging. You know, yeah. I saw this is what happened. This is great want to see more examples of this because people want to be successful mm. and so they they look to leaders who are successful to see what it takes to be successful so the some people talk about it as a leadership shadow i would simply say your behavioral um the things you bring to work and and your attitude and your um your manner your energy everything you bring to work every day everybody sees immediately and if you want to change something you have to bring it to work and play in that way every single day and if you do that it helps people know that it's safe it's real and you do it so maybe there's something in it right yeah i love that you know we're the majority if not everyone's goal driven in some way you look sure. to the people who've been successful to go how, how do you behave to get there and you follow that behavior that's for sure that's a really sweet statement Richard, thanks so much for your knowledge and time, mate. I really appreciate everything you have done and continue to do to help you know, create a better future. But how, how can people reach out to you and SA Partners if they want to learn more, if they want to start talking about defining this vision and measuring where we're currently at? You can come in through the website, www.sapartners.com. You can give me a call um, on my mobile number, which we'll make available, uh, or you can give me an email, richard.youngersapartners.com, uh, and I'm all ears. Thanks, Richard. Really appreciate it, mate. Thanks for coming on, sharing your knowledge and time, and thanks for everything you're doing and the rest of the people at SA Partners. Appreciate it, mate. Thanks, Brad. Very kind. Cheers, mate. Cheers, Richard. Bye for now. What a great episode. Remember, you can visit our website to enter the free book giveaway Richard has kindly offered. A copy of the new book, Deep Excellence, is on offer for the first 10 responders. Go to enterpriseexcellencepodcast.com backslash contact us to register. There were two key takeaways for me from this episode. Firstly, the vision of the future you want to create and why. Being clear in a meaningful vision is such a powerful step for an organization to take when embarking on an excellence journey. A meaningful vision provides a foundation for storytelling, sharing knowledge and purpose about a vision, ultimately helping teams align with this vision by creating what it means to them and their customers. The second key takeaway for me was measure the journey. What gets measured gets done. When an organization is looking to transform by improving culture and systems, measurement is critical. Strategic measures aligned to the organization's journey is important and also a maturity index that allows the organization and teams within it to track their journey and plan next steps. Enterprise excellence takes time. In a way, it's never ending. Being able to track a journey, catch backward movement, conduct gap analysis, and playing your next steps is so crucial. Thanks again for your time and knowledge, Richard. Thanks for helping us create a better future. Bye for now.